0: Alright, alright, alright. Day 263. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to, to primarily look at it and see ourselves. Alright, so I'm really hyped today because we're in one of my favorite books in the Bible, the book of Acts. Now, I know I always say this is one of my favorite books in the Bible, but Acts is really one of my favorite books in the Bible, <laughs> like real tea. And um, remember, we, we have this modified chronological plan. So um, we are moving as best we can chronologically through the history of redemption fam how beautiful is that we move through the history of what god is doing in and through uh his son for his people right and acts so so acts there's so many ways to characterize it that i, I don't even know if i can get it in in one episode you feel me uh how to just like open up we could just talk all day about how uh, what acts means and what uh acts is doing but it's really hard to kind of overstate the importance and its place in scripture you know it's traditionally been called Acts, because uh, many people say like oh this is the acts of the Apostles right Um, that the Lord Jesus left to carry the good news of the kingdom Um, but acts particularly will highlight the first three decades of the spread of the Christian church in which we have almost overnight a small tiny Jewish sect becoming a world religion right in in 30 years fam a small Jewish sect becomes a world international religion right and acts is um, so good because um you know it's gonna show that Jesus uh, is the risen Lord of history and that he uh, didn't just act when he was here but he's still acting now he's still working now right so this book is going to provide a theological interpretation of these first few years and um the the resurrected ascended Lord Jesus So, so in other words it's not just the acts of the Apostles it's the acts of the resurrected and ascended Lord Jesus working through his Apostles working through the New Covenant community called the church by way of the Holy Spirit look how he starts in the beginning I wrote the first narrative Theophilus about all that Jesus began to do and teach Notice he says, began, until the day he was taken up, after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God it's a mouthful in that bad boy listen uh, acts is Luke part 2 right so Luke wrote the first narrative right of the gospel and now this is the second narrative so acts is Luke part 2 and he says no no, all that Jesus began to do and teach that means he uh, it implies that he continues to do and teach things through his people and the book also starts out telling us about how Christ was explaining the kingdom of God. <laughs> no, no, 40 days, chief. I'm chopping it up with y'all about the kingdom, right? And it's interesting because at the end of the book, what, it, what it's going to say, it's going to say Paul made it all the way to Rome and he's chopping it up with folks about the kingdom as well. So you see, this whole book is kind of like bracketed by the kingdom of God, right? It is about uh, God's heavenly kingdom coming to earth through Jesus, yes, but also uh, working through his people. Uh, as we move in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 listen it's a one sentence commentary on the entire book right if you want to if you forget what, what is going on in the book of Acts go to Acts 1 8 it says this but you will receive this is Jesus uh, power uh, when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses <laughs> in Jerusalem check this in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth all throughout the book the Apostles will refer to themselves as witnesses right and then um luke's and for luke geography is never an accident right so luke is a historian this is why he's so uh precise we talked about this in the the gospel of Luke. he's so precise in other words if you read the book of luke you see that everything is moving towards jerusalem and according to acts everything moves out from jerusalem so they gotta go to jerusalem right and then they go to judea and then they go to samaria and then to the ends of the earth with the gospel and i love it because uh technically literally, literarily uh uh the gospel goes to the ends of the earth in the book, right? It gets all the way to the Roman Empire in the known world. However, it's still going to the ends of the earth now. So guess what? This statement includes us, right? We are to take the gospel, the good news about Jesus's uh, kingship, Jesus being the Christ, Jesus being the Messiah, to the ends of the earth. And guess what? We can't do this without the Holy Spirit. That's why he says, no, 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 power got to come on, come down, fam. Power has to come from from, from heaven, <laughs> right, when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And this has to take place now one of the things that happens after this the, the, the narrator uh, talks about uh, Luke talks about um, um, the ascension of Jesus right when we don't talk a ton about Jesus ascending now remember Jesus always talked about the Son of Man coming on the clouds I think it's a double entendre I think what Jesus means when he says that he's, he's alluding to Daniel 7 um, but he's talking about when he comes back for sure but also when he goes away notice how it says he was taken up into the clouds and here we have listen Christ ascending back to the father it's so much we could do a whole podcast on ascension I might do it for the patreon but listen Christ was resurrected but now he ascends why is that important well the resurrection declares his kingship right it declares that he is king and Lord over death but the ascension is the installment of his kingship right in other words it, it, the, the ascension is where he begins to actually reign <laughs> over the entire universe Right his, his resurrection finished his labor on earth, but the ascension marks a shift to his labor in heaven Right. and So Jesus is right now working at the right hand right hand of the father as he's enthroned as Lord over over the entire universe And so we see after this um, that happens redemptive history is just moving man and um you know you have the 12 uh, uh, Judas died and they have to replace him why because again this is the restoration of Israel are you restoring the kingdom of Israel to this time Uh, acts chapter 1 verse 5 yes so so in other words um, the the 12 have to be reconstituted in order for the kingdom to come on earth acts two comes Pentecost take a highlighter uh, circle it uh, write it on a tablet of your heart because acts chapter 2 is one of the most important uh, texts in your Bible right um climactic so much here I, I man i can't even get into all to it and it's making me sad you feel me what is pentecost well if you've been with us uh it is one of it is one of the pilgrimage feasts right for jews so you had passover slash unleavened bread which 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 celebrated the exodus and they the jews would migrate and go to jerusalem for this uh you had the feast of tabernacles was celebrated uh how god dwelt with his people in the wilderness and then you had pentecost or the feast of weeks which came 50 days after passover go read deuteronomy 16 leviticus 23 um during these feasts Jews traveled to Jerusalem to present offerings before God in the temple and this feast took place 50 days after Passover right and and it came to be associated with covenant renewal renewal now it's interesting how do we how do we uh, see this here um you know Jesus was with them for 40 days so we have to assume that another 10 days went by and then Pentecost came now um 50, 50 days after Passover, originally in the Exodus, corresponded to the 50 days uh, when, when Israel finally reached Mount Sinai, right? Where they were uh, constituted and became a nation, right? And so, here, uh, analogously, uh, we have the restoration of the new covenant community uh, called the church, where the spirit is poured down. And, um, you know uh, uh, if you read Genesis chapter 11 you have uh, this kind of interplay here where at Babel you know the, the languages were confused and now the languages are being heard again uh, so you see this reversal here in the divine plan all that to say the Holy Spirit comes down and those that were following Christ were speaking in the languages of the Jews who came to pilgrimage to Jerusalem notice what the text says it says Parthians Medes, Elamites those living in Mesopotamia uh, in in Judea Cappadocia Pontius Asia Honan, right Egypt parts of Libya near Cyrene visitors of Rome both jews and converts Cretans and arabs we hear them declaring the magnificent acts of god in our own tongues and and peter is going to get up and he's going to talk about how the holy spirit has been poured out Uh, and he's going to preach similar to christ he's going to declare that these blessings are an indication of the last days the restoration that we've been waiting for has come what the prophets have been prophesying is now here in part right Um, And if you go back and read the prophets, when when they talk about the last days, when they talk about the new covenant, when they talk about the messianic age, it's always associated with the spirit coming down. And this is here. Right. So this would have been like reasons to celebrate reasons to turn up. Right. If you uh, were living in the first century. And, um, yeah, it's so good, because uh, if you remember uh, here, Pentecost. Pentecost is, is so important because if there's no Pentecost, there will be no salvation, right? There will be no Christians, right? The Holy Spirit's primary role in the economy, in the work of salvation is to take the work of Christ and apply it to the believer by uniting us with the resurrected Jesus who has merited all of the benefits for salvation for his people. I love it because the first person to receive the, the, the spirit according to the book of Acts is who? jesus it's jesus that's why uh peter gets up and he says no no no." like the spirit he received the holy spirit and now he jesus speaking of jesus has poured out what you both see in here as he preaches right and throughout the rest of the chapter peter is going to say he's going to preach and highlight the way that people can be saved highlighting that jesus is now both lord and messiah and that everyone ought to turn and repent and be saved right this is the message of the gospel this is what god has done in history the holy spirit has been poured out as the spirit of the crucified and resurrected christ acts chapter 3 so much here listen resurrection power comes and is proclaimed but it's also actually seen and intersects in the lives of everyday people i think that's why acts chapter 3 is right after acts chapter 2 right it is it is it is linked to this idea of restoration and you see a lame man being healed right so we see here Peter and John as they are healed uh, as they they are headed to the temple time for prayer Peter is going to do is use this miracle as a real-life illustration to show that the same resurrection power that rose Christ from the dead is the same one that is working in and through the apostles here and it's the same one that we have right now that can lead to acts of healing for real people one of the things I've been enamored by is the way that Christ wants to heal the brokenness of the world and he uses his people's as agents of healing and renewal, right? And so wherever you are today, and you're hearing this and you're listening and you're reading the book of Acts, no, no, God has placed you where he has placed you to be an agent of renewal. Whether you are a pastor, whether you are a therapist, whether you are a teacher, whether you are an educator, whether you are a uh, a layperson, it doesn't matter. God wants us to be agents of renewal in the very spaces he has placed us in space time and history. And so this miracle authenticates his message, and he's going to preach to the other Israelites, right? And he's going to use language that that they would be familiar with. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified His servant Jesus, whom you handed over and denied before Pilate, though he had decided to release him. And he's going to say, no, no, Jesus is the Messiah. You guys, Israel, rejected your Messiah. So, in other words, at the same time, he's going to indict them, but he's also going to invite them right he's going to say and god is merciful all you have to do is turn to him in light of even even in light of what you've done and that's and that's the way we present the gospel we indict but we also invite right we, we tell people about the nature and power of sin and rebellion against the lord jesus but we also invite them to repent and turn to him uh in his grace and his love right um So so you just see the the, the revolutionary message of the gospel uh, is is being played out here in the first century. Acts chapter 4, last one of this bunch. We could go all day. Acts 4, my man Peter and John get arrested for preaching the gospel. Um, And we see the irony, as I said before, is that the church is going to grow in this text. You've seen it in Exodus. um, The people of God grow under persecution. But you see the church here specifically growing under persecution. In chapter 1, they had 120 then it was 3000 acts two, and now in acts four, we have 5000 people now remember the church grew overnight right his secular historians will say this uh, all New Testament scholars will say the the explosive growth of the early church in the first century was miraculous fam it was miraculous and it was it was a further enigma because you had Jews uh, in the middle of history in in the first century who said no, no, no we worship a man they were strict monotheists they, they believed that we worship one God so this whole idea of a Trinity was was mind-boggling to people or, uh, uh, that we're looking on. Then you have Gentiles who 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 don't who who are who are uh, primarily Gnostic who don't believe uh, that the physical material world is any good. So so, so why would ha- why would you have the question that, that plagues people is why would you have Jews overnight coming to worship a man and uh, Gentiles overnight <laughs> coming to worship right. a man when this kind of like blew up their paradigms and we have to attribute it to the real historical resurrection and power of Jesus in space time and history and you see this growth here even in the book of acts so i said so as i said before rapid growth uh outpouring of the spirit proclamation of the gospel um and I, and I just think that um even in our day right like uh for those of us who are yearning for revival for those of us who are yearning to see a generation called back to the lord jesus right we just need a fresh outpouring of the holy spirit right and we need to pray and work towards that end uh callous knees and callous hands as i like to say uh all the time anyway uh peter gets up preaches again much shorter sermon, uh, sermon. and i love verse 12 because Peter gives the uncompromising, exclusive truth of the gospel. Salvation is in no one else, right? And what's interesting, too, is that in the ancient world, it was understood that speeches changed the course of history. Now, remember, Luke is a historian. And, um, you know, and you see in Acts 1 through 6 alone, 60% of it is preaching, <laughs> it's speeches, it's sermons. And what I believe Luke is trying to trying to tell us is that the Holy Spirit empowering the disciples for proclamation of the risen, ascendant, and exalted Christ is what does this is is what is what literally uh moves kind of history forward in this way right and um yeah I, and i think uh we need the same thing today but also i love what happens after that it's not just that the leaders um we see toward the end of the chapter the whole group right is filled with the holy spirit right the filling of the spirit is not something that is uh, set apart and only relegated to the most gifted among us the most talented among us the leaders among us the celebrities whoever among us right we see this a ton of acts that regular re- regular regular folk like you and I <laughs> can be filled with the Holy Spirit and it often implies that someone is empowered with boldness for proclamation of the gospel uh, whether that be individually or communally. so you see that the spirit feels people but it also feels communities right and we see what it looks like for for, for a church to be filled with the spirit, right? Not towards just those outside in proclamation, but to those to those inside the church as well. They're, with, they're with one heart, one mind, they're unified. No possessions were their own. All things are held in common, right? It says, for there was not a needy person among them because all those who owned lands or households sold them, right? Brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed to each person as any had need. I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. Oh my God, because Deuteronomy 14 and 15, if you read it, what you were supposed to do were you supposed to you were supposed to bring your excess and your leftovers to the Jerusalem temple? You hear me to the Jerusalem temple? And that was the way that God cared for the needy among his people, right? So there would be no needy person among you. Uh, Deuteronomy 15 and you see that this text is going to allude to those texts and say that no, no No, God's Holy Spirit his glory presence has come down and filled his temple, but his temple ain't a building chief <laughs> His temple is his people, right? Right. And so his 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 spirit comes down and fills his temple, his people. And now what was always an ideal in the Old Testament is reality in the new. Right. It was an ideal that the needy would be cared for. And now God is saying, no, no, this is the way you actually do it because this is the true temple. Right. This is where I actually dwell in the midst and in the hearts of my people. And we see here that the application for us is radical generosity, radical. The things we have are not our own. Right. Because we. Are not our own. We belong to another, right? And I, and I'm going to say this all throughout the New Testament. Listen, we are too individualistic, right? The Holy Spirit says, "No, no. no. I'm here to transform individuals, but I'm also here to transform real Jesus Spirit empowered Christ following Messiah proclaiming communities, right? And and my prayer, fam, my prayer is that today God would transform our local and global communities. To live, hear this, to live an alternate lifestyle, fam. No, no, Christianity is not just about exchanging beliefs, new beliefs for old ones. It's about exchanging an entire new life for an old one, right? It's an alternate lifestyle that testifies to the kingship of Jesus of Nazareth. And thus is utterly compelling. Let's pray. God, we ask that by the power of the, 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 the crucified and risen Christ, that you would transform, Lord. We, we we plead that you would transform our communities and that it would be utterly compelling, open doors for the gospel to be proclaimed and for people to come to know you. That's what all of this is about. That's what we do. This is what we, we wake up and get out of bed for, God. I pray that it will be at the center of our hearts today. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray.